Welcome back to Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. It is Thursday, June 30th, and I'm joined by the baseball pro, Bob Wenkel, as well as a special guest, Kevin Kincaid. Bob, some people say it's a dream job to cover the Philadelphia Phillies, but then you go down there and you, you sit and you, and you watch a 27-year-old make his debut and you watch a 31-year-old make their major league debut in the middle of a playoff run. And you sit down there at CBP for seven hours. So I want to know, what was longer? That intro where you just sat behind the scenes for five minutes or that game you covered last night? Oh, the ice cream's good in the press box. So, I mean, <laughs> that's the one thing that has been a consistent positive dating back to 2019 when I first started doing this. Tough game to watch last night. Uh, it's it's going to be a long, long month and a half here, it looks like, right now. Actually, I want to know, because John Middleton did take away a couple of hot dog, uh, dollar dog nights. Are they feeding you well in the press box, at least? What's like the nine-inning course look like for Bob Wankel? Well, last night was pasta night. Uh, so we had uh, we had some lasagna last night, a little side salad. Uh, free soda. You just go in, get soda as much as you want. I'm a big Coke Zero guy. like Coke Zero. You can mix it up with different flavors and stuff. And then you just get a little ice cream on your way out. It's a nice little mix. Okay, so pasta, Coke Zero, and ice cream. That's what it's nine innings looks like. Thanks, guys. Kev, how's the spread for the Sixers? Uh, it's not that great. It's Aramark food. So you got to pay 10 bucks, and you get like, you know, some kind of protein or like a vegetable and whatever. Do you have to pay at the Phillies, Bob? Yeah, it's 10 bucks. I'm getting received okay. a comment here. Coke Zero with lemonade is an elite combo. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. So yeah, we got yeah, we got to pay too. I was originally going to say if you eat the Phillies food, does it mean you're biased? You know, are you partial towards the team? Like the holding, guy lifting yeah. the Stanley Cup over his head. <laughs> you know, the guy with the smoking the cigar, holding the holding the cup like this, you know. That's a great conversation. I would love to talk about that at some point. I know we have other things that, that we definitely want to get to, but that's a great conversation. That wasn't even on the rundown, was it? I just, re- I just no, remembered that right that's, there. But that's a great thing you just brought up. Bob, you're down there. You're covering the team. God forbid they somehow pulled out of their ass. They win the World Series. Bryce Harper hands you the commissioner's trophy. Are you not lifting it up? Yeah, I think I would I would probably try to get a picture with it. I, I think it's a joke, honestly. I mean, like, it's a different era, 2022. Now, this guy, this is a different level. But listen, like, I grew up in South Jersey. I loved the Phillies growing up. I think I can go down there and be objective in covering them. But, like, do I privately want the Phillies to win? I do. Like, because – my whole family is Phillies fans. I have Philly stuff from my childhood. I just think it's in, in crazy that there's this huge outrage over a guy being happy that the team that he covers won. Now, this might be a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, the cigar and definitely the beer on the shirt. Uh, he's probably a little bit wasted or a little bit tipsy. That might be a lot. But yeah, you getting a little champagne bath, maybe... You know, uh, Gene Segura pouring it over your head because you had an awesome one-on-one <laughs> interview about him or something like that. Maybe you guys built a bond over the uh, over the last couple of seasons before he heads out. I could see that. I'd be you okay see, with that. In the second photo that Dave just pulled up there, you know, the the Avalanche captain is like holding <laughs> the cup with him, right? But I don't know if he gave it to him or not, or like, or what the search situation was. But to me, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, well, if the player's cool with it, then I, I guess that means something, you know, but I'm kind of like with, with Bob on this more, let less about like the impartial, like, are you a real journalist, like take part of it to me? It's like, 
man, I didn't fucking do anything to help win the Stanley Cup. Like, why should I be anywhere close to it? You know, you know, it's like if if uh, you know, like, what if they won the Sixers won it all, and then Embiid was like, "Yo, Pompey, come over here and hold this thing." You know, like I would think it would. I, I wouldn't have any problem like if the players wanted him to do that. But Keith would probably be like, "You know, man, I didn't, I didn't hit a basket. I didn't hit a free throw. I didn't throw in a sit." That, that's to me, that's like you the, told the entire story of the season. If you're Keith Pompey. Everything from the free agency to the opt-in, yeah. opt-out, the mid-level yeah. exceptions, the BAEs. You know, you were in the trenches. I guess. But, like, I like to me, that's the corny part. It's not about the, like, oh, should a journalist participate in this or whatever. It's more like, man, I, I didn't have anything to do with this shit. You know? Good, good, good question. <laughs> who would do? Who would lift the cup first? I think we all have the same answer. Russ Joy or Ansan Flip if the Flyers win. <laughs> Absolutely, Ross. He would probably somehow come find his way onto a podcast and talk about how he contributed to it. Um, he was able to fire up the team by by talking crap at, about him, you know. So he would find a way to definitely make it about himself. Oh, he would follow the cup around. He would sneak his way onto uh, one of the tour buses during the parade and whatnot. He'd be he'd be catching beers from people in the crowd and everything. Oh, it would be not only the Flyers winning the championship, but it would be Russ's championship. <laughs> They'd retire. Oh, no, the whole thing is uh, You know, it's funny. Like, here's an actual, like, real point about it, though. Because <clears throat> I was looking through the replies to that guy's tweet, and it was divided almost, like, perfectly down the middle between, like, you know, the old school impartial, never do this journalism types. And then, like, the young, regular sports fan is just like, who cares? You know? Like, because they don't think – they think that you can do that and still be – impartial and be a good reporter at the same time you know so maybe you can you know it's like it's it's different now the lines are are blurry my, my thing is don't you just want fair analysis things aren't going well you're critical things are going well you applaud where necessary like of course i want the team to win you know why because it's more fun to watch it's a better product to watch it's more interesting you go back to the phillies since 2019 uh they're three games over 500 they're four games under it's kind of been the same thing for four years now for me as somebody that's covering it i kind of want to see him go go one way or the other you know either be really bad and let's detonate this thing because that's interesting or go ahead and go on a run and, and make some noise and make the playoffs because that's interesting but if i have to pick between those two i'm obviously going to pick go be good because it's more fun for the city it drives clicks more people are interested it's a it's a can't lose situation under that scenario. So for me, I want to see him win, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You go look at my Twitter feed or go look at one of my game stories. Am I unfair when things aren't going well? No. Am I critical when things aren't going well? Hell yeah, man. So at the end of the day, I think that that's really what's most important. Yeah, but and that's the other thing too, because like the bottom line, if we're being honest with ourselves here, we were all Philadelphia sports fans before we had anything to do with media. So if we're going back to what it was originally, like the authentic thing is like, yeah, you supported the team before you were ever covering the team and from like a neutral perspective. So we're only just lying to ourselves if we say that we don't give a shit about that one way or another. You know, that's why Kyle, when he started CB back in the day, resonated with a lot of people because he was just talking about the team from a fan's perspective. You know, it wasn't like this old school – Oh, journal sports journalism is so important, you know, like kind of romanticizing the the business like we're some like doing some essential work here or something. That's the thing that I think is funny, you know. It's like we're you know, we're handing out like slash lines and like doing goofy videos and stuff like that. We're we're not like reporting from Baghdad while bombs are falling, or this is not like the Camp David Accords. Like what we do is not that important, you know. So it's like these guys are like, oh, you can never 
you know, cross that line or whatever. Man, it's not that big of a deal. I got a guy that tweets at me all the time. Kids these days don't think it is, you know. I got a guy that tweets at me all the time. Like, when is somebody going to hold Rob Thompson accountable for playing Mickey Moniac? You know, when are you going to ask the hard questions? And like, come on, man. Like, yeah. Like, what do you what do you think he's going to say? What do you think Joe Girardi was going to say back in May when the team wasn't playing well? Do you think you guys can play better? Yes. You know, I have confidence in our players. You can only ask the hard questions so many times. You, it's, it's, you should ask it, but you can't ask it after every single loss. It's like the Ricky Batalico thing post-game live. Like, this was a disgrace last night. These guys should be embarrassed. They need to try harder. You're like, I get it because, like, I think that there's always ebbs and flows in the season where that's appropriate and that's a real criticism. But you can't bring that for, you know, every 70 to 92 losses that a team's going to get in a given year. It just doesn't work that way. No. When when do you think the story of Mickey Moniac's development being stunted comes out? Well, I did ask about that last night. I, I, I said, that. hey, listen, like, how do you – I asked Rob Thompson after the game. I said, how do you balance this? Like, every time he comes up, the Phillies really need him. Like, it's, it's not just like, well, you know, dip your toe in the water, try to get your feet. It's always like this team absolutely needs some stability at this position. Here you go, Mickey. And then he gets 10 days to do it, and he can't. So I asked last night, you know, what do you do here? And the response is basically like, you know, we want to give him a fair shake. We want to make sure that he's getting consistent playing time. We think he's going to do it. I think privately they're looking at a guy that's essentially struck out in about half of his major league at bats over three different years and his inability to hit a breaking pitch. And I think that they know that there's a problem here and that it's probably not a long-term solution. They're so desperate right now for something to click that they'll probably give him a few more shots at it before they pull the plug again. Who do you think's got it worse? Mickey Moniak batting 143 or Mickey Moniak's buddy having a name of a guy batting 143 tattooed on his ass? I actually want to do this debate. I think I think I have my answer. Go ahead. I don't really understand this. So, like, did he was he betting against his friend? Like, was he yeah, no, his friend, his friend was betting against him that he wouldn't be a top 10 pick in the draft. Um, so once he became a top 10 pick in the draft, that's almost porn, by the way. Um <laughs> we are we are an inch or two away from Shaft. Um and his friend bet him that he wouldn't be a top 10 pick. So they bet on, you know, like every guy coming out of high school or coming or freshman year does. They bet ass tattoos. Thank God for Matt Clentak, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think I'd say I'd rather be the ass tattoo guy in this scenario. Because you can get that lasered off. He could have that lasered off for all we know right now. Yeah, Mickey Moniac's got millions in the bank forever, but he's always going to be labeled a bust. And I feel like that definitely sits on the mind more than every girl this guy's talked to after Mickey Moniak's um, Mickey Moniak getting drafted. Every girl he's ever talked to when he's taking his pants off saying, is that a tattoo of Mickey Moniak's name? You can, uh, you can go the laser route. That's, that's for sure. I think it's a nice conversation piece though. Right. Like any, anybody that you get intimate with, they go, what's, the, what's that about? And you, mm -hmm. you say, oh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. You know? We'll talk about that later on the second Third or third. Do you, how many dates until you, uh, you introduce that? Hey, listen, I have an ass tattoo. Or, it's not really an ass tattoo, by the way. I think we need to kind of, uh, find out what the ramifications of an ass tattoo are. And that one's more like a left hip tattoo, which I feel like not even Kevin would have living in Fishtown. Fishtown right now is the big thigh tattoo. <laughs> the left tattoo on the hip has not has not caught on yet. Man, I haven't lived in Fishtown in like two years, you know? And all the people, all the, the city readers uh, never fail to remind me about that. Yeah. You know? You're not a real Philadelphian. I think the I, real question is, is that a better look than the John Marks 
calf tattoo with Nick Foles? Like, which one do you go with there if, if you have? That's really the debate. I, yeah. it, would John Marks lift the cup? I mean, having a guy who won the Super Bowl, you know, is that bad journalistic integrity? <laughs> they, they would. Um, no, you know what would happen? This is actually what it did because my wife was still working at, um, well, I guess they'll <laughs> call it Entercom. Yeah, there it is. Wait, that's oh, not even a ca- That's on his back. It's on his back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they, no, what they did was they brought the Lombardi trophy to, uh, I think they brought it to the WIP headquarters, well, like the Odyssey headquarters, right? Because she has a picture with the trophy, but she's not wearing like a Super Bowl ring because she was like selling advertising for the fucking Eagles radio network or whatever. And it's not like Howard with his, uh, earned his ring as the third member of the broadcast team, radio broadcast team. Like, come on, man. But, uh, I don't know. The radio guys are not. I mean, they're well, they're kind of like just a PR extension of the Eagles anyway. So probably get them something. But uh, Kevin, what I I really want to know is, are you going to mention the Radio Wars uh, ratings since the Missinelli firing? Or are you just going to try to get some hosts uh, better, better deals? That's what I want to know. Oh, uh, well, it's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? Um, (laughs) I told you, I like I I tell people like I hate ratings. I don't do ratings anymore because it's all bullshit. Right. Like, are we we're all like kind of clear on that, you know, because the Nielsen like the they still do the people meters. It's like a beeper that you wear and like it transmits data based on what show you're listening to. But now you have the streaming data and you have like, you know, Miss Nelly's show or the afternoon show, I should say, you know, syndicated on a simulcast on. NBC. So there's numbers for that. There's like so many buckets to pull from that. It's all just like BS, you know, but they're updating the technology and they're probably, they might get away from Nielsen soon, but uh, the big radio wars update from 48 hours ago is that Mike Golick, uh, both of the Golicks, Mike, Mike's Golick have uh, confirmed that they have not been (laughs) confirmed that they have not been in touch with WIP. Now, is that a power play from Mike Golick or Mike Golick Jr. saying like, Hey, listen, I'd be interested in potentially going to WIP, but nobody has come to me. Uh, you know, the conspiracy theories are out there. You know, it's like, uh, are they using crossing broad for leverage? Hmm. You know, but I'll consider the rumor squash because we asked them straight, straight. <laughs> this is journalism 101 these days. Just like bullshit your way through the story and then just mention both of them on Twitter directly and ask them if they're going to WIP. <laughs> but Golick Sr. said he hasn't been in touch with WIP. Golick Jr. said he's not going to WIP. Which is just crazy to me because, you know, it's like I was saying the other day, you know, just like talking to people from WIP, like casually, like background, like, hey, what are you here? Do you know anything about like Angela or whatever? Like four separate people brought up Golic. So I don't, I must have been one of those things where it's just like somebody heard that name, told it to another person at WIP. They told it to another person. They told it to another person. And then it gets spread around when they're talking to me or other people who don't work there. And I guess that's how a rumor gets out of control. But we did our due diligence, I believe, and we uh, I will consider the the rumor squashed. And if it's not, then we'll do the post on how Mike Golick lied to us. Both <laughs> Mike Golicks. That's know? true. So. Um, let's get it back to the Phillies for one second. Um, <laughs> you've never heard that before on any yeah. Philadelphia media uh, yeah. entity in the city. I'll tell you that. Uh, Nick Cassianos, every time he comes up, and you're at the game, so you don't hear this, but T-Max says he's due and he's been working really hard, but that dude has been taking some awful, awful swings. Uh, Like bending over 90 degrees, swinging at balls in the strike zone that he can't get. What is going on here? There's a lot of things going on. I mean, the numbers are the numbers, and they're not good. 
there's multiple things that are happening at the same time. One, uh, he's seeing more breaking pitches this season, and he's having a really hard time, especially with pitches that are on the lower lower uh, outside corner. He's just not getting to them. He looks very jumpy at the plate. I do think that there is a combination of things going on. Like, yes, he's a little bit lost. Yes, his timing's off. But I do think that he feels some pressure to produce. I do think that he's pressing a little bit. And it's like this perfect storm all sort of coming together right now against him. But, you know, he has the four-hit day out in San Diego on Sunday. And you go, okay, maybe he's going to get his footing here, gain some traction. And it's just not happening right now for him. I mean, the biggest difference, though, between last year and this season for him is that last year he pounded fastballs. I mean, he was an absolute beast against a fastball. At 376, I'm looking at it here, against fastballs last year, a 677 slugging percentage. I mean, that's that's Hall of Fame stuff. And this year he's hitting under 270 against them. Slugging percentage has decreased by about 35%. So he just is not – hitting pitches that he has traditionally handled. And last year was a little bit of an outlier for him, so I don't know how fair it is to compare 22 against 21. But just take a look at the career averages, dating all the way back to 2015 when he was a rookie. And he's so far underperforming against those averages right now that it's hard not to watch this and say some type of rebound has to be coming. He's a good hitter. He has been horrible this year. Is it time to go get a college degree? (laughs) Yeah, it's easy to take those cheap shots, but because I'm a fair and balanced journalist, <laughs> I won't, uh, journalist, I won't do that. Yeah. But it, it's I remember you talking about it last year when we used to talk a little bit about um, how unlucky uh, Alec Bohm was. His Babbitt was really uh, was really high. He was hitting the ball hard and everything. Now, is it you're you're a coach? You know, you coach a little different of a, of a league and whatnot. When your best player is going through a slump, do you always? kind of think they're going to have a bounce back year or is this going to kind of be like an Alec Bohm situation where it's like, damn, I hope he bounces back. As it pertains to Castellanos specifically? Yeah, Castellanos. Yeah, I mean, first of all, listen, they're in a situation where he has to figure it out. They don't really have a lot of other options. They can go out and add another bat. They can tweak things, try to jumble what they have. But at the end of the day, like if the Phillies are going to tread water while Bryce Harper's out, it has to be him. He has the most upside. He has the proven track record. And I just think, I'll be honest with you. When they went out and did the Schwarber signing and the Castiano signing, like I'll, I'll tell you point blank. I thought that the Castiano signing was the better signing. He was the guy that I really felt was going to change the dynamic of the lineup. It wasn't going to just be over-reliant on home runs. This is a doubles machine, 50-plus doubles type of guy. He was the one I was really bullish on. So I still believe that he will rebound. I would imagine that the Phillies internally believe that he will rebound. But I am sure as this goes on, I mean, his month of June was just terrible. You go back to May 1st. I know this feels like forever ago, but Nick Castellanos hit 300 in the month of April, like an 850 OPS. But since May 1st, he has four home runs and over 200 plate appearances. I mean, it's just not there right now. And it's impossible to think that the baseball, that he's pressing, that any of these singular factors are contributing to this type of decrease in production. He's got to be better. He has to be better. Yeah, it's... It's funny because everyone said that the juice balls came out and around May, June, and everyone was hitting the cover off the ball and, and everything. Um, Cassianos also got hit in the hand a couple months ago. I saw he that did. rumor being floated around a little bit that maybe there's something you know going on because baseballs love finding the hands of Phillies players this season. Uh, that happened, that crazy game that they blew to the Mets uh, late. It was like Nick Nelson and Corey Knabel couldn't figure it out. He wasn't ready gets hit in the hand or on the hand in that game. And the numbers, like the splits leading up to and after are pretty pronounced. You know, he stopped driving the baseball at that point, but 
He's in there every day. He says he feels healthy. Like you have to go by that, you know, and I'm sure that there could be like a cover up here, but I don't think it really does the player or the team any favors by doing that. I would come out and say like, Hey, yeah, I have a hand injury. I'm trying to play through it. I'm doing the best I can. If it was really affecting him, I don't see any reason not to be honest about it. So I don't really know how much of an impact that's having probably not much, but it is a really weird line to look at and say, here are the numbers before here are the numbers after and it's a drop off. Have you had a chance to go one-on-one with them yet? I have not. Uh, I will tell you that I, I find them to be, uh, you know, kind of a guy that should play well in this city, a, a guy right. whose personality meshes with what this fan base likes. And that was one of the reasons I love the signing though. He's, he's kind of like no nonsense, no bullshit, just gets the job done. Um, and like, he's a real fiery personality. Like he's a guy that hits a double, looks into the dugout and says, you know, like LFG, let's go. And it, you know, you have to produce though, for those other personality traits to pop and that production hasn't been there. And so that's why I think a lot of people right now are going, Holy shit. Did we just make a five-year mistake? I don't think so, but I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be lying if I told you I wasn't a little bit concerned by what I'm watching. The at-bats have been just brutal. LFG for anyone at home is let's fucking go. Uh, I will. I'll decipher that for the people. Can I jump in here with a quick comment? Um, There's a guy on Twitter who says, does uh, Kyle need something for his background? Uh, Plain white, (laughs) plain white wall, question mark. I have extra Philly word art pieces if you want to try to keep up. Is that the Philly word art guy or is that Dan from Philly or whatever? uh, Are you in your closet right now? No, I'm I'm in my bedroom right now. I'm not afraid to show it. I'm in my bedroom. You know, you just kind of, it's really fucking dirty because I don't really sit around here that much. I'm my girlfriend's a lot. I'm in a I'm in a back corner. Uh, I could be in a Ukrainian bunker for all you know. Who knows? No, I, I seriously like when Zelensky speaks, he's got more going on in the background than you do. You know? so you, you, you. Oh, sorry. I didn't have my daytime Emmy in the shot. Yeah. Should I put that in the shot or would that be a, like a huge asshole thing to do? I have my uh, trophy from coming last in fantasy football last year. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should uh, take my my family and, and add that into the mix. Yeah. No, I was like a family man. So By the way, I like how you can just see my dog's ass, like in the like to the left of me. Um, he's laying down behind the. Uh, let me move so you can see Baxter. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Baxter. Baxter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rough day when you're a dog. Yeah. You know. Can someone uh, tap that dog over there to make sure it's still breathing um the thing is though if you keep listening to the show and you tell your friends about this show and we grow the followers and everything i promise you i'll have the craziest fucking uh background that you've ever seen better than rogan better than anybody better than anybody going on better than nbc sports right now i promise you well we should expense that we should get you the company credit card and just get like a phillies poster so just something to start you know because i I like the bit now i like it it's 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 like it's like japanese feng shui it's very minimalist it is it is very yes it's minimalist as in there's absolutely nothing on the wall but um there's nothing wrong with it inherently it just looks jarring because me and bob's (laughs) put every single thing that we own on the wall and I've got like a library here on, on my desk, you know. Here's the thing. Do you want me to worry about what my background looks like? Or do you want me to deliver hot, cold, uh, steaming takes? <laughs> hot, I want you to focus steaming. more on 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 the, the meat of the uh, – here, let me show this. Get yourself an Eagles flag back there. And what I say, T from the 203, don't tell me what to do. Do it. <laughs> um, or, I'll come on, or I'll come on to your tennis court. And I'll kick the ever living shit out of you, like Nick Sirianni did with that Giants fan. Kev, I think you had the best, the best thought process about it. What did you think about the whole thing in terms of it being true or false? 
the Nick Sirianni uh, threatening to beat the shit out of a Giants fan at a yes. Haddonfield tennis court. Listen, man, I know that everybody's like knee jerk thing is to say, oh, this is fake and you're just making it up and, and whatever. But you know what we also thought was fake? We didn't think that, you know, the wife of the Sixers GM would make multiple burner accounts and rip the players via those burner accounts, which would then cause her to uh get her husband fired so i would say that you can't rule anything out man you know it's like markel fultz once said you can't really trust no one Uh, i can go with this to an extent man there's no way this happened there's no way that this guy walked across nick sirianni nick sirianni said your coach sucks and your team sucks like it just didn't happen it was wait you're a south jersey guy okay go ahead no let me just let me just ask real quick okay so a guy the guy says he's from maple shade Maple Shade, right. yeah. The guy from Maple Shade going to Haddonfield to play tennis? By the way, the Bronx, too. So you got you to put that in there. <laughs> he says he's from the Bronx. Peter from But Maple the thing Shade. is, so uh, sorry, before you answer, answer, Bob, like you don't really get many Peters from the Bronx. Like there's not many Scorsese movies that are centered around a Peter from the Bronx. It's like Tommy, Johnny, Tony. So like Peter from the Bronx is kind of a pussy. And I think Nick Fariani would kick his ass. Yeah, well, I mean, just in terms of the geography, like, yeah, it's a 13-minute drive from Maple Shade to Haddonfield, about 10, 15 minutes, so it could happen. And Haddonfield's a big tennis community, an affluent area, a lot of tennis courts, a lot of – that's probably where the good players are. So you, if you have, like, some game, you're probably going to – you're going to make your way over to Haddonfield and play a little tennis. So I could see that. That makes some sense. Do I believe that Nick Sirianni is playing tennis in Haddonfield? Plausible. He was at Devonte Smith's camp in Haddonfield this week, two days yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, but I don't, I don't see it. I do. I think, I think here's I, here's my conspiracy theory. I'll just share mine real quick. I think that this guy was probably just like instigating, doing a little bit of shit talking or whatever. It's just harmless. Sirianni was probably laughing at him, whatever. And the guy probably went like a little too far, and then Sirianni said something back to him, and then it blew up into a story that was fudged. You know, like when he went on the radio, but there may usually like the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? I don't think it, it probably didn't happen the way he says it did, but I'm sure there might there there. I I can't rule it out, man. I I've seen some of the craziest shit happen in this city and in sports media or whatever. So I'm not I'm not gonna rule it out. I'm not gonna do it. What I need to know is, are you going to ask for a one-day media pass to the first day of Eagles training camp at Novacare to go down there and yeah. ask the hard-hitting questions like Howard Eskin? Yeah, I will, Nick. Um, there was a report at ESNY that a caller from Maple Shade said that you threatened to beat his ass at a Haddonfield tennis court. Can you please clarify that for us? And then you get the death stare from all the like hard asses who want to, want to ask the real questions like, well, do you think Quez Watkins is going to take the next step this year? Dude, I mean, the stuff that they ask him, it, it's in training camp. It's like, oh, my God, after they get through the first like week of media availability, they're asking the same shit over and over and over again. It's not I an indictment on them. It's just like there's no, there's nothing else to talk game, about. That's what you have to do, right? But people eat that stuff up. So right. hey, oh, hell asking. yeah. That would go that would go more viral than anybody asking about Quez Watkins. If there's any Maple Shade, New Jersey cops that listen to the crossing broadcast, I yeah. don't know what Kyle paid for the video for Riley Cooper at the Kenny Chesney concert, but I'm just gonna say 150. Okay, 150. We'll, I'll make it I'll make it 200. All right. If you if you want to get the get the video from the from the Maple Shade Haddonfield tennis tennis court, yeah. I promise you that I will pay two hundred dollars for it. There's gotta be uh there's got to be video somewhere. Everybody's recording something, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think he said that they were on separate courts too. So, you know, surely if there was an altercation, 
and Sirianni allegedly took a couple steps towards Peter from Maple Shade, then, uh, you know, there's always somebody with their phone rolling, you know, some some little rat, you know, filming the filming the whole thing, you know. So. Doesn't Sirianni know pickleball is the sport of the future? This is why it's plausible, though. I'll tell you what. He's like a competitive. He's got that competitive, like, meathead kind of quality to him, you know, like, let's go, baby, you know, shoot free throws, you know, rock, paper, scissors, you know. Like mm-hmm. I could see him pulling an Owen Schmidt and like when he was a player and take his helmet off and bash himself in the head with his helmet, you know? So now he's like a domesticated coach out playing tennis with his wife. He's probably like jonesing for conflict. You suck. Brian Dable sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be awesome. over here and say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's entirely plausible, man. I'm talking myself into this, you know? Oh, I think it's, I think your theory is probably the most well thought out theory that it was just yeah. a couple of guys shit talking each other. And you know what? Your, your Giants hat sucks and your coach sucks. And it was just yeah. a laughing you know, moment. People are always like, people always say, like, well, why is this, a, why is this a post? Number one, because I fucking feel like it because it's our <laughs> website, you know? And number two, it's like, it's June 30th, man. Just have some fun. Even if it's not real, like just have some fun with it, man. Get a laugh. Like you got plenty of time to do the, you know, 5,000 word John Hightower film breakdown. If you want to do that later, you know, like let's, we're just kind of having fun in the summer here. Let's look into this. Let's see what we can effort. And if it's true, it's true. And if it's not, then so be it. But you know, it's funny, you know, it's fun. People hate fun. Bob, before we get out of here, how are you feeling about the bird season? I feel like you're always kind of, able to level set everything right now expectations too high what'd you think of the miles sanders dream team moment go ahead uh i i think that the eagles are going to be very good this year i actually think that jalen hurts is going to throw for more yards than dak prescott this year so wow i'm just trying to i'm trying to get a reaction out of kevin on that no i really am i'm I'm in on the eagles um i'm numb to it i will never ever like if you said to me hey do you want to cover the philadelphia eagles for any outlet like it could be the inquire i would never do it because every man has its price i am i need to be able on a sunday to sit down and drink and scream at my tv and take out all of my frustrations about my life shortcomings for three hours on professional football players and if i don't have that ability on a sunday i have nothing so What's it going to be like when Carson when Carson Wentz throws his first Commanders interception? You know, uh, dude, nothing brings me greater joy than that yes. absolute stone cold loser, just yeah. a stone cold loser, yep. being we a were, loser. We were right. Kevin was always wrong about Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, play back Kevin's, that audio. Kevin yeah. still defends yeah. Carson Wentz. And play I cannot back the audio. It. Kevin loves Carson Wentz. It's disgusting. That is I such bullshit. I was a total neutral. You know, you guys just are like you're like like the people on either end of the political spectrum. Like you have no take, concept take in the middle. Take of course, a, a guy from Boyertown would love Carson Wentz. So, well, I, you're, yeah, you're there's confusing. a lot of similarities. Yeah. You're confusing a lot of people. You, you, you know you that they Boyertown, you live in Fishtown. Boyertown actually got off. Um, we got off of school on the first day of hunting um, in, <laughs> <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Like, I, I think it's in like, uh, is it like November? I want to say it's like after Thanksgiving or something like that. I think they gave us like that Monday or that Tuesday off. This is the first what day. What was Carson Wentz doing in Woodstown while he was with the Eagles? Boyertown is where it was at, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, there's like a spiritual connection there or something. No, I was in neutral. I, I don't like, you know, Anthony was pro Carson Wentz. I was just like, yo, dude played a role in winning a Super Bowl here. I don't got to like, he doesn't play here anymore. I don't have to like do a circle jerk every time he yeah, throws like a he, worm burner. You know? I, I don't think we we win with him in the Super Bowl. I don't. He's like trying yeah. to he, like Darren Sproles tried to fight him before the Super Bowl because he was pissed that Nick <laughs> Nick Foles was winning. Yeah. 
like people trying to make him out to be like Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons, like, you know, didn't do anything to help a championship wing. At least Carson like played on that team and, and delivered something at some point as Bob looks at me like incredulous, but maybe we'll get Jillio on here and you guys can, you know, jerk off to your anti Carson, Carson stuff on the, on the next episode, you know, Oh, Jalen hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll bring ESP yeah, on and, and he guy. Can, we can bring ESP on and he'll <laughs> tell us how, real uh, is real. how Jalen hurts is going to sign a $45 million deal next year. So uh-huh. Elliot calling a <laughs> shot. Love this. All right. Well, uh, anyone want the final word or I'll take it. Bob, what are the Phillies going to do? We got to give us a Phillies like prediction for the last. last Actually, half yeah. Year. Can I piggyback on that? Thir- they're at five hundred on the deadline. Are they buying? Five hundred. Oh, sorry, yeah. five hundred since uh, Bryce Harper left. Went out. Yes, if they go five hundred while Bryce Harper's out and they're a few games over and they're like a handful of games within striking distance of that last playoff spot, like they're not going to go in and trade Mick Abel or you know uh, Andrew Painter or anything. But yeah, they'll they'll make a play. And I I think that they remain committed to trying to get to the postseason this year but will they be there we'll see what's your scouting report on Derek hall <laughs> he has power he'll, he'll probably <laughs> run into a few but i think they really have to kind of pick their spots with him inserting him into the lineup as a cleanup hitter no <laughs> what's your scouting report on mark mark appel Apple, Apple, whatever the hell the guy's name is mark appel nice story very nice yeah. story yeah something that people can really get behind he overcame a lot to be here and that's Crossing Broadcast. Hey, join us here April. next Tuesday for uh, every noon to 12.30, every Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. Hit that like button. I always forget to do that, the thumbs up button. It really helps the algorithm out. And uh, subscribe, and we'll be on the podcast feed sometimes later. Oh, one more thing. I was told by Rush Joy. Mention Anthony's one-on-one with Torts. It's on the YouTube right now. Anthony Sanfilippo had a one-on-one with Torts, exclusive of all exclusive interviews. Don't listen to anything that anyone else had before this one. This is the exclusive interview. Torts kind of sounded pretty cool. So enjoy. Talk to you on uh, Tuesday. Enjoy your holiday weekend.